Gross Point Blank is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals in last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Like, if you're in Detroit or in Dallas over Thanksgiving, right, and you want to check out some football, they do that on Thanksgiving, uh, go to GameTime, check them out, get your Bears, Lions tickets or your Cowboys, Bills tickets, you're good to go. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you every week as we do on The Athletic and wherever you catch your podcasts. A lot of people listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you do, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, really helps us, helps the show, and we appreciate your support. Uh, of course, if, we want, if you want to listen on The Athletic, we want you to. Tons of great content there as well. A good deal for you. If you want to sign up to the website right now, it's athletic.com backslash Josh Gross. Get 40% off an annual subscription. Uh, definitely, definitely some great stuff on there um, from MMA coverage all the way through all the sports that you could ever want and need, plus tons of great podcasts as well. Um, so we've got that out the way. Let's get to the mixed martial arts talk. Um, this week we'll have on Mo Lawal. Uh, he, I mean, one of the unique characters in the sport of mixed martial arts over the last 10, 15 years, uh, retired two weeks ago. His final fight ever was a Bellator contest. Uh, looking forward to talk to Mo. It's kind of like a retiree episode because um, I want to hit on Ben Askren in, in the opening segment. Um, as many of you probably know, Ben Askren announced his retirement from mixed martial arts this week, uh, speaking to Ariel Helwani on ESPN. And Ben is someone who uh, is, a again, another one of these characters who sort of just stood out. And I, I, think, I think Ben had a huge huge influence in terms of the last year, right? What, what the last year in mixed martial arts, what that, what that looked like. Ben Askren, even though he may not have won a fight, uh, at, at least in, in, in the way that people would have expected him to, I mean, the Robbie Lawler win was something that, um, I think a lot of people felt like, oh, he didn't really win that one, but it, but it propelled him into a spot that, uh, I think most people would have felt like, wow, uh, George Mosvidal, that was insane. And and Ben Askren's career shouldn't be shoehorned into 2019. But 2019 was a really good indication of the power of his charisma and sort of the final culmination of just his athletic endeavor, right? I mean, this guy has been competing his entire life. He's been a wrestler his entire life, uh, battled hard to become an Olympian, um, NCAA champion, Everything. I mean, he's in a lot of ways responsible or, or played a big part in, in the launching of MMA careers, including like Tyron Woodley. Um, ben Askren is someone who's a doer, right? He He's just, um, he is someone who, no matter what stage of his career, his athletic, you know, whatever he's wanted to do, basically, he he's just pushed for it. He, he's not someone who rests on his laurels. He, he's not someone who just expects things to come his way. And I remember this vividly as he was still in Bellator. Um, I was still at ESPN in 2013, and I interviewed him towards the end of his Bellator run. When he was trying to leave Bellator, he was sick of Bjorn Rebney, sick of all these guys, wanted to fight in the UFC. I had him on my podcast at the time, and, and he really came out and blasted Dana White. He came out and blasted Dana White in the UFC and basically called him out. And it's one of the reasons, I think, why Dana White for so long had 
had really negative feelings around Ben Askren. Go go read Chuck Mendenhall's column on on Ben's retirement, and his opening is pretty clear about where Dana White stood on Ben Askren for a long time. Um, and, and quite honestly, I, I think the interview that I did with him at ESPN had something to do with that. And, and you know, Ben is a guy that's not gonna like he's not a puncher, but in in life he doesn't pull punches. Okay. Uh, I don't think anyone that he's ever fought was worried about getting hit by Ben Askren, but like sort of this verbal uh, assault that he can deliver on you. And it's not fake. It's just this guy who's going to say it the way he thinks it. And he's pretty articulate. And he's someone who I think um, was just had the confidence more than anything, had the confidence to say what was on his mind and not really care about how people um, perceived it or received it. And uh, that that is the one thing that stood out to me about Askren. In this interview that I'm sort of referencing, he certainly did that. He went after the UFC, went after Dana White, went after everybody, went after this idea about wanting to be the best and wanting to fight the best. He had proved his point in Bellator, of course, taking on fighters that were really early in their careers. Guys like Douglas Lima, very early in his career. This is 2012. And Andre Koreshkov, very early in his career. And, and so Ben was undefeated. What's he going to do? And he goes off to fight in one championship. The UFC wants nothing to do with him. He goes off to fight in one championship. And for Ben, I think it worked out well. He made money. He was undefeated. He, he, you know, things, he got to travel the world. He fought in Singapore and the UAE and the Philippines and China and all these places, right? And uh, he kind of represented, I think, for a lot of people outside the U.S. as like what an American is, what an American fighter is in a lot of ways especially in these far-flung places that really didn't have a mixed martial arts history uh, that one was trying to get into. But I always felt the thing about Ben and his excursion to one was that it was a net negative for his career. Um, he regressed as a fighter. And there was no way that making that leap from fighting a lot of people you never heard of, and admittedly up a weight because one, their, their weight cutting was odd. So he was fighting more at 185 pounds uh, which would be middleweight for for our perspectives from a North American perspective, right? Um, uh, but you know, when you're fighting Shinya Aoki at 185 pounds, like what what are you doing, right? What's the point? And then you go from that to fight a guy like Robbie Lawler, then George Masvidal, and then Damian Maya, and it's no surprise that people look at Ben Askren and be like, oh, well, he sucked. He was never that good. He got exposed. You know, uh, it's the shit talker, Ben Askren. He wasn't, he wasn't really, he didn't. I mean, all that stuff's so unfair, but I think there's deserved criticism around the way that he spent 2014 through 2017, which was his stint in one. And in some way, classes in one, there is good competition. There are good fighters. Fighters can improve. Fighters can, you know, I, I, think, I think there's no doubt about that. And the weight class that Askren was fighting, especially the way that he fought, because they didn't really have a lot of wrestlers in one, he could just take people down and grind on them and, you know, slap them in the head. And he wasn't improving. He wasn't getting better. And I, 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 think, I think that's an undeniable fact. Um, at least from my perspective, my two cents, whatever I observed of his career, th that certainly played a role in what his UFC career looked like. And his UFC career lasted a year, right? So he ends up one and two in the UFC, goes and fights Robbie Lawler, gets slammed on his head, somehow manages to survive that, puts the guy in a bulldog choke, uh, we can talk about whether it was a proper finishing hold or not, you know, whether it should have been stopped or not, whatever it was, it, he's got a win against Robbie Lawler, right? So that sets up this kind of crazy scenario against George Mosfidal 
Masvidal launches himself into Askren's head, the five-second knockout, the flying knee, the whole thing. Uh, that, I, I, you know, once the zero in the loss column for Ben Askren went away, so much of everything else about Ben Askren went away. And he was one of these guys that really had to maintain that sheen, right? He had to maintain that idea that he was unbeaten. And that mattered so much to Askren's career because of the people that he fought, especially in the last four or five years. Uh, the way he came up, he wasn't in the UFC. And so much, so much of how people view your success in mixed, mixed martial arts, and this is something we'll talk to Molo all about, is what'd you do in the UFC, right? What'd you do in the UFC? That's the only place that matters. And I don't subscribe to that. I think there's some kernels of truth to that. I think certainly the level of overall competition in the sport relative from organization to organization, yes, the UFC is deeper and stronger. But you know what? It's an individual sport. You can be a great fight fighter outside the UFC. And Ben Askren certainly had all that ability. And he he brought that he brought that sensibility with him to the UFC. There was this sort of the mystery of Ben Askren, right? Oh, he's he's undefeated. He's walking the UFC 18-0. What's he really going to Is he just going to out-wrestle everybody? Is that going to happen? Why? It didn't seem likely. It seemed like he'd have to find another route to victory at some point. And then when he got knocked out by George Mosfidal, I kind of like, it, it crumbled, really. It, it crumbled. Not like a house of cards because he he's a legitimate athlete, legitimate comp- competitor, tremendous wrestler. There was nothing propped up or fake about Ben Askren. Uh, but I just don't think that he served himself well at certain stages of his career to prepare himself to fight um at, at the elite elite level and you know, people get knocked out in the way the George Mosfidal knocked up Ben Askren that happens in the sport okay um Ross Pearson just got knocked out do you see this kick that he got knocked out with immediately Ross Pearson is a aged fighter he's not the guy that he used to be but he's got a ton of experience he knows what he's doing he was just knocked out in incredible fashion by this uh, tornado kick I think is what they call it so, you know, these things happen in the sport. There's no doubt. You can look terrible in mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts has a way of exposing you and making you look terrible that most sports don't. You don't see fighters like a Henan Barrow, who just fought last weekend, right, who had been dominating opponents. He was 32-1, and, one, and, and, and now he's 34-9. and nine. You know, this, this, this doesn't happen. You don't see great competitors in basketball and football and baseball fall off a cliff where all of a sudden they just can't do it anymore. Not in the way that you see that in mixed martial arts. And I, I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's a really unique aspect of the sport. It's something that we have to grapple with and really sort of understand, I think, sometimes because circumstances are entirely different. We generally see this at the end of a fighter's career. Uh, but I, I felt like to me that Askren was not willing to go through that. He lost his last two, the Masvidal KO, we all know. And then Damian Maya outgrappled him, outworked him, submission, rear naked choke. You know what? Damian Maya has done that to a lot of great fighters and a lot of great people. It doesn't mean Ben Askren sucks. It absolutely doesn't. But for Askren, a guy who now says, hey, my body has kind of run its course. I don't need to do this anymore. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I got as far as I got. This is it. You know, I, I think you have to look at his career and and say... Mixed martial arts was better off for having Ben Askren in the sport. I, 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 if you want to argue otherwise, go ahead, but don't do it to me. Ben Askren was better off being in mixed martial arts than going off and doing something where else and just focusing on wrestling and being a coach somewhere. He had that competitive desire, and the sport allowed him to get that 
really sort of the last vestiges of that competition in him out. And now we've seen that and he's done and he knew when to walk away. So many fighters don't know when to walk away. So many fighters hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's the only way to make money. It's the only way. It's the only thing you can do. Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to walk away from. So many people's identities are wrapped up in what mixed martial arts is and what it's brought them. And, and that was never Ben Askren. Ben Askren was never wrapped up in being a mixed martial artist. It was something he did. It was just another chapter of his competitive life. It was just something that he felt like he should try. And it, uh, for a long time, I mean, for a long time, this is a guy who started in 2009, right? So he was undefeated for a decade, basically. Yeah, there's not a lot of fighters who can say that. Um, and I, I don't think Ben Askren's going to go down as one of the greatest fighters of all time. I don't think he's going to go down as particularly like one of the most important fighters of all time. But he was entertaining, and he did it his own way, and he fought the man. And Ben Askren tried to you know do his thing, and that's all commendable. That all matters. We, I, I think there's too many fighters out there who operate like cogs in the machine. Ben Askren was not a cog in the machine. If, if you can say anything about Ben Askren, it's that he was not a cog in the machine. This is someone who had his own individual perspective, was unafraid to share it, was unafraid to say, this is who I am. This is how I compete. If you can beat me, go ahead and try. And finally, people did. And it happened to be when he went to the UFC. I, I, I think he gets a little bit... I, I, I saw the reaction to Ben Askren's retirement, and I saw how people were sort of jumping on him and sort of attacking him and this idea that oh, you, you were never good to begin with. You were never that good. You know, I, this comes from a lot of people who have never done anything in their lives. Ben Askren devoted his life to competing at the highest level and everything that he did. Everything that he did, really. And, and for the most part, he found success. And, and, and this is not the kind of guy that you could just go knock, right? Say, oh, what you did meant nothing. You suck. That's just the anger of people who are living lives that are unfulfilling. And that's sad. And that's not Ben Askren's experience. He's got the opposite experience in life. Truly, the opposite experience. So it was fun to cover Ben Askren. It was fun to uh, write about him early on. It was fun to have him on my podcast back in the day, talking all sorts of trash, begging. Like literally after that interview on ESPN, it, we talk again. And he says, uh, how do you think that went? You think that's going to get me anywhere with the UFC? I was like, no, Ben, that's not going to get you anywhere with the UFC. No, that's that's you just kind of sealed your your death warrant with them. They're not going to want to deal with you now. And it took a long time for that to come full circle. And it's amazing that he was involved in that, you know, quote unquote, trade with Demetrius Johnson and one and all how that went down. You know, you hear things. Well, one couldn't pay his fee and they needed to get rid of him or whatever it was. Um, He ended up in the UFC finally, and I'm glad he did. You know, a guy who didn't, we're going to talk to next. He still had a great career, still a unique individual, amazing competitor, had a lot of success outside the UFC. Mola Wall did a lot of great things in the sport of mixed martial arts. Just because he didn't end up in the UFC, you got to diminish that. You got to throw the guy under the bus. You suck. I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Well, that's my, that's my, I guess, 10 cents on Ben Askren. But um, respect to Ben uh, on, a, on a great career, on doing things the way that he did them. Um, I think I described on Twitter, Ben Askren's career was like a guy walking on a tightrope. And it really was. 
And somehow he managed to stay on that tightrope until the very end. And then he fell off and he's like, that's my time. And he knew when to walk away. And that may be the best thing about Ben Askren's career is that he knew when it was time to walk away and he wasn't going to hold on too long. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, props to Ben Askren. All right, we're going to talk to Mo Wall <clears throat> here in the next segment. He, um, he's got a lot to say as always. Mo Wall is, I think, unquestionably one of these guys who is under the radar, has helped so many people in this sport. Mola Wall's the reason that Khabib Nurmagomedov is at American Kickboxing Academy, right? That's one of a million things that Mo had a hand in along his MMA experience. And he's still involved. He's going to be a trainer. He's going to do a lot of things in the sport. He's just done fighting. And um, props to him. Uh, look forward to chat with Mola Wall in the next segment. I am Josh Gross. You're listening to Gross Point Blank. Welcome back to Gross Point Blank. As I spoke about in the opening, uh, joining us on the phone now is King Mo Lawal. Mo, how are you, sir? Man, I'm good, man. Just left the gym. Had a great day of sparring, watching sparring. You know, I'm retired. But the guy's looking good, man. We got people at the gym looking sharp. I'm excited for what the future holds for the fighters at the American Top Team. How hard is it for you not to jump into that sparring? You just feeling that urge at all? Nope, not, not not hard at all. Um, it's definitely not hard when you have guys like Biggie Boy at the gym. <laughs> I want no, no parts of him. You know, um, yeah, I, you know, I I just I I enjoy coaching. Um, I do miss training, but I can train on my own and grapple and not take no head trauma, you know, and take any more injuries. So I'm just there, just watching, and if I can jump in here and there and help, I will. Your last fight was November 8th. Uh, it was in Thackerville. Uh, you were stopped in that fight. You ended on a four-fight losing streak. But I hear yep. no regrets in your voice. I hear no no, no concerns about how that's the way that your career ended. Uh, none whatsoever. Is that is that fair? Yeah, man. You know what? Like When you go out there and fight whoever in any weight class and you train with whoever at any weight class, you, you, your chin tends to take a little beating. It starts to chip away, starts to get a little weaker, and that's what happened to me, man. You know, um, the shot I got hit with, I could, you know, back back when I first started fighting, or even two or three years ago, I could have took that. But now I start to notice, you know, like I just can't, my punch resistance ain't the same, and, uh, you know, I've lost weight from hyperthyroidism. So, um, yeah, it's time for me to get out. I had a good time fighting while, while it lasted, so no regrets. What other ways have you felt the effects of your mixed martial arts career? And do you owe most of that to MMA, or is it just the totality of all the competition, all the wrestling you've done over the years? Uh, the totality of all the competition. The wrestling probably gave me the most injuries as far as hip, knees, elbows, shoulders, back. And then MMA kind of just sped that up even more. And uh, I could tell you this. Um, as a fighter... When I first got in MMA, you could ask me any question. Like, Mo, who's your favorite comic book characters? Who's your favorite boxers? I could list them all. Bam, 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 bam. But after 11 years of getting hit in the head on a daily basis, like, I'm not as sharp. I'm sharp still. I, I, I can still p- pull things up. But I'm not as sharp as I once was. And I feel that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. Because I remember you, like, you were like an encyclopedia about a lot of things. And, you know, 
one of the, I lo- there's a lot of people that I've enjoyed talking fighting with over the years. You you are like almost at the top of the list. You and like Dominic Cruz and a few other people. You, you just your perspective was so fresh and like the way that you looked at things was so easy to understand. Do you, do you still feel like you can get your point across in the way that you always have, or ha- how have you changed because of you know slowing down a little bit? Not at all. I'm still the same person. It's just that now I I don't know I can still break things down easily. It's just that now, like, when I used to be able to come up with names. Like, I'd be like, hey, man, you want to work your defense? If you want to work, work your defense, let's work. Let's watch. Let's watch Willie Pep, Nicolino Lachi, um, Tevin Farmer, um, Pernell Whitaker. I, could, I, I used to be able to list names for days. Now, since I've been doing MMA, my list has been cut by like 25%. Um, I think that's partly just getting older. It's a partly effective of, of of the life that you've lived. Um, you know, who knows a lot. Look, I, I don't remember things the way that I used to. I know that. I know that I remember things from like 2005 bef- and, and earlier than that. Like I still recall it like like but there's just too much now. I don't recall it the way that I used to. So uh, I certainly have not had the life that you've had. But I think that's kind of a normal thing of just aging, isn't it? I think it is, too. But. You know, I still, I still have a great. I, my memory is still pretty sharp. I remember things like I could tell you when I cornered my boy Jeff Lindsay when I was nineteen. I cornered him versus Eve Edwards. I remember when we went to King of the Cage when I was I think almost twenty, and we I cornered him versus Romy Aram. And this is back in two thousand. So I my my recollection of all that the warm up what I was wearing, I remember all that. But uh, um, just when it comes to reference points and all the other stuff like. I used to be able to list out names, like right, right at will, and it's kind of slowed down a little bit. But for the most part, it could be due to old age as well. You know, we'll find out. Yeah, you're not that old, a man, right? I mean, what, you're still 38. What? How old are you? 39. I'm 38, but man, when you've been wrestling and getting fighting and sparring and all everything, I, I pretty much trained all year round for since I since I was 16. Wow. I never took no breaks. I, vacation, I don't know what a vacation is. I, I always like, you know, after fights, I go right back to gym. Then I realized I didn't take like a week or two off. The longest break I ever took in my career was from my fight versus Jerry to, to now, to, to my fight versus uh, Capel. So that's what, what happened. Break. What happened between those fights, Mo? Because you had actually talked after that fight in Ryzen that you were done, that you were retired, right? I think you yeah. went on Ariel Hawani's show and, and said that you were retired. And then you, you come back and you do fight one more time. How did that come together? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to end on a on a win. I wanted to end on a good note. I wanted to, you know I, that was that was a plan. I was like, you know what? I can't go out like this. Let me end on the win because the way I ended my wrestling career was on a loss. So I was like, mm. you know what? Let's end on the win. I felt good. I felt I felt great. It's just that my my chin is gone. You know, um, and I'm smaller. You know, I'm still I haven't been over over two hundred pounds since. Um, no, um, March since I fought Yuri Prochaska, that's the last time I was over two hundred pounds. Now I'm about one ninety five. I just can't keep weight on, so you know I'm, I'm a shrinking man right now. Yeah, well, not in your personality though, right? I mean, you you still you still mow the wall. Uh, a lot of people you've touched a lot of people. I referenced in the opening uh segment of the show that. You've done a lot of things behind the scenes that people are unaware of, and you've touched a lot of lives in this sport. And one one of one of my references was like Khabib Nurmagomedov happens to be an American Kickboxing Academy because of because of you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, do you 
you know, the, the relationships that you've built and the, the people that you've helped uh, over the years, do, do those stand out to you as particularly important and meaningful? Uh, what, 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 what's the most important thing about your adventure in mixed martial arts for you? What, what stands out is really the, the thing that stands out is, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I made this uh, attempt in mixed martial arts. I'm glad I, I put my heart and soul into this sport because of, you know, what's the answer to that? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just, had, I just wanted to have fun. I love the competition. And my biggest thing was there's no secrets to combat. So I was open to train with anybody because I want to learn as well. There are no secrets in combat. Everything's an open book. There's footage on everybody. Every move has been done at least once or twice. You know, I, I don't know. I just I just enjoyed the, the competition. And, and my main goal when it's all said and done is I want to be like a Burt Sugar of combat sports. I want to be able to tell stories of where I was at and, you know, where I was at when I witnessed certain fights and what the hype was, what the hype was, what the story was going into the match or the fight. That's what I want to do for MMA, boxing, kickboxing, combat sports in general. That's what I want to do. Do you see yourself having a role in media moving forward? Do you, do you want to do broadcasting? What, what's, what's your intention now? Well, I, I have to work on my speech a little more because I'm not, my speech ain't that good. But, you know, I'm going to start working on that. And maybe, you know, maybe we can see. But um, I wouldn't mind doing something behind the scenes. I, I don't know. I, I just, just want to just keep learning and keep soaking things in and soaking things up and just, I don't know. I just want to keep watching and learning. That's my main thing. Yeah. You've, you've been basically with every major promotion other than the UFC since 2008. Is, is there, is there one promotion that stood out to you is, is particularly a great experience. Uh, One that stood out is like, man, I'm, I'm glad I never have to deal with them again. You know, how, how, how does that, how do you compare the police, the places and the people you've worked for? Everybody's been good. Um, I'll, I'll say this. If anybody's a chance to fight for Scott Coker, they should go ahead and do it. That's how, that's how I feel. It's, I feel like it's a different environment when you're dealing with like Scott Coker and the people that are around him. Um, I'm glad I worked with him. I'm glad he came to Bellator. I enjoyed my time with Sengoku. Enjoyed my time with uh, Ryzen. Ryzen's another great organization as well. Um, M1 was cool, the, the, the one fight I had. Um, I had a great time, man. That's one thing. Um, I had a great time traveling and fighting and training. And every place was different, but every place was good as well. Yeah, that, that M1 fight was actually like people hear M1, they think, oh, you were in St. Petersburg or Moscow. That was in Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. And uh, you, that, that was against Mark Kerr. You know, this is, this is Mark Kerr in 2009. I'm sure back in the day, I mean, Mark Kerr in 99 was an entirely different animal, entirely different human being, right? And you, yeah. when you see a guy like that go through the progression of his career, did that inform you at all of like what what mixed martial arts may do for you? Like in terms of, you know, you were the young kid then, now you're the guy retiring almost a decade later. Uh, you're not, you don't go out like Mark Kerr. Mark Kerr's obviously got his own stories and his own difficulties, but this is a hard sport to walk away from like with your head up, right? With your with feeling like you're on top, isn't it? Uh, not really. I, I I left still on top, even though I lost. The thing is, I had a great time, win or lose. I I I lived the American dream. I mm. did something I loved to do, and I got paid for it. That's the American dream right there. Like I woke up every day knowing, hey, you know what? I'm about to go to the gym and bust somebody's mouth open. I'm about to go take somebody down. I'm about to get kicked in the head. I enjoyed that because every day was a challenge. Every day was something different. It wasn't too monotonous. It was something different every day. 
you challenge yourself physically and mentally. I love that. And now it's got to find different ways of doing it and not to do it, um, you know, by teaching and hoping that what I teach is effective because people have to realize as a coach, I'm not in there fighting with you. I'm just your advisor. I'm your advisor. I'm giving you advice on what I've seen or what I've heard, or what's happened to me or what I've done. So it's up to you to believe in me and, and take my advice. You know, and that's the hard thing as a coach, having people to buy in. It's also easy as well because some people will blindly buy in, but I don't want no blind people buying in on me. I want people to believe in me and believe in what they're doing. Who are some of the coaches and the trainers that left an impact on you that inform how you now want to coach and train fighters today? <sighs> okay, you want to start? I can I'll start list it off. I, I need at least one King Mo list. So give me okay. give me names oh, here. Okay, um, high school coach Alan Kepke, coach Sidberry, coach McCullough. I get to oh, and coach coach Guinta. I go to college. Um, coach David. Well, James. Let's, let, let me let me break this up. The, the high school guys that you mentioned. What what did they do? How did they start you on this path? How are they influential on you? Man, they they stuck with me. They, they I started wrestling at sixteen. They 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 were they, I don't know they were just there to coach me they're they're there to put uh, push me through the hard times motivate me because coming from Texas my wrestling squad was like four people deep so it was me I I had guys come in they were older the the coaches come in and wrestle with me Coach Sidberry and Coach Jim Guinta and um, I, I was just lucky to have them they were positive because in Texas wrestling wasn't big back then. And they believed in the, the vision that wrestling could be big in Texas, and they they started off with me. They they let me know that hey, Mo, stick with it because you can start something big. You could take this some. You could take this to a whole different level. And I I believed them. I I wasn't sure if it's true, but I believed them. And this is this was at Plano East Senior High. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And also after forgot to, to mention, uh, Coach Yosef Ali Rezaei. He came from came from Iran. During World Cup, the World Cup in Stillwater, and he defected down to um to Texas, and he joined the Irving MacArthur um wrestling team, and I used to go, I used to catch rides down to, up to Irving, pay I used to pay somebody like twenty thirty dollars when I had money to take me to go practice with him, and he was man, he was like he was the first high level wrestler I've ever seen, and the first high level wrestler I ever had a chance to wrestle with. Did he open your eyes to something that you like in a way that you hadn't had them open before? Yeah, because I didn't know much about wrestling, and I he told me he said, "Mo, the best the best wrestling is in, in Iran, and I'll show you." And I was like, "How are you gonna show me?" He's like, "We're gonna wrestle every day till you take me down." I never got to I got to take down when I got to college, but in high school I could never take him down, you know. And then he brought his brother Moosin, rest in peace, Moosin. Moosin used to smash me, and he was smaller, but I got a chance to see the the higher level. And then you go off to college, yeah? Yeah, I went to college. And uh, my coaches in college, well, you know, um, Cami Barzini, he's a coach at, um, at, uh, at um, Henry Hoos Gym. He, he, mm -hmm. I met Form, him former, when I was former American top team guy. Yeah, and I met him when I was 19. Um, Byron Tucker, Coach C, rest in peace. It's um, Coach James, Jody Marple, Sean Bateman. Coach Lauren, um, Tim Edwards, uh, man, there's a lot of people, man. The Cunningham brothers, Greco Plotnick, um, Hardell Moore, Howard Moore, and um, Coach Derek Del Porto. Those are the guys that really, 
Oh, and, and oh, not, not to mention, can't forget Coach Coach Mark Munoz, Coach Cormier, Coach Reggie Wright. You know, uh, um, Coach Jamil Kelly, Coach Guerrero, Coach Mark March Branch, Coach Smith, Coach Pat Smith. The, 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 we, I, these, I, these are great, Oklahoma yeah. State people. Oklahoma State and Central Oklahoma people that that man without them, man they man I I owe them so much. What what did you take from your Oklahoma State experience? Now I, Oklahoma State's one of the great wrestling programs in the country. It also happens to be one of the great MMA factories too. If you look at it, I mean there's a few programs in, in NCAA Division One wrestling that turn out great mixed martial artists, and Oklahoma State's one of them. Um, I think Missouri and Arizona, Arizona State, State and yep. yeah, and, and, and several Penn others State. as well. But yeah, yeah. For 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 Oklahoma State, I mean Randy Couture is an Oklahoma State guy as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that that tradition, did that did that mean anything to you? Like did you start thinking about MMA at that point? When, you know, how how did the Oklahoma State factor into your MMA experience? Well, here's the funny thing. Oklahoma State didn't factor it. I helped Oklahoma State. I brought MMA to Oklahoma State, truth be told. When I was nineteen at Central Oklahoma, a guy named by the name of Jeff Lindsay, you can sure dog his name or typology his name, Jeff Lindsay. I met him. And uh he came to me and was like, Mo, I'm about to fight a guy named, I think, Eric Davila, you know, in the USWF. Um, I need help with my wrestling. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, help, I'll help you. So we worked on wrestling, and uh, he's like, hey, Mo, I'm going to throw kicks, punches, and knees at you. Just try to take me down. And I was like, okay, no problem. Let me see you throw kicks, punches, and knees. I saw him. I said, cool. So my goal was just to take him down as many times as I could. And that's what I did. Fast forward three days later, he's like, Mo, uh, I'm going to try to submit you. I'm going to put you in this move, that move. This I didn't know what it was, but I know when he put me in, it hurt, but I still fight out of it. And uh, ever since then, like, you know, he went out and he went out there, lost by, by ankle lock and like a like short, like with like one second left in the fight. Then uh, he went to train with Militich. When he came back, went and fought Eves Edwards. And then after that, we fought Romy Aram, but I've been around MMA for a while. So fast forward, I'm going to Oklahoma State. I'm training. I get a call from Jeff Lindsay. He says, Mo, um, me, Kendrick, and Carlo Prater are going to come up to Stillwater to come work out with you some. I said, cool, come up. They came up. Guess they, they wrestled with Mark Munoz and Shane Roller and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were grappling, but they didn't know. And, and then fast forward, next you know, Mark Munoz like, Mo, I think I'm going to fight. Shane Rowe was like, Mo, I think we're going to fight. I talked to Daniel. I said, Daniel, man, you want to jump in this fighting thing because it's going to get big. And like Oklahoma State, everyone just started fighting thanks to Randy Couture. You know, he, he was the blueprint. Did you ever cross paths with Randy? Uh, yeah, briefly. I shook his hand. Um, you know, he was an older generation. And, you know, just I respect, it. I respect the hell out of him, everything he's done. Uh, but I just didn't really know him that well. But, I, you know. When he talks, I listen. And so then you now go through your Oklahoma State experience and you try to wrestle on the, on the world level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wrestling, the, I think one of the things that I love about wrestling and being around wrestlers is how international it is. It's, it's, like, it's like MMA in that, like, everyone in the world does it and they all cross paths and it's sort of like this camaraderie that exists. I think if, you, if you're in that sport and you dedicate, it becomes your life more than a profession. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's a lifestyle, man. Uh, and the thing is, it's so international. 
But the thing is, like, with me, I love to travel. And I I, I, I studied cultures. And went, the one place I went to that opened my eyes up, and I'll never forget when I, turned, I told a MMA junkie about this. I went to Dagestan mm. in 2005. And I was like, man, this place is like Sparta. It's different. The, the Russians aren't, they really ain't Russians because, that you know, they are to me. But to other Russians, they're like, they're not Russian. They're Asian. They're, they have more dog in them. They have the, I don't know, it's just something different about them. They're explosive. They're athletic. And everything there is all about fighting, boxing, kickboxing, grappling. And I just noticed that, man. And I, just, and I was like, man, this can be a hotbed for fighting. And I'll, and I'll, I'll never forget it. So when I, saw, when I saw Habib fight Kamal Sharus, I was like, I was like, hold on. I was like, okay, he's fighting Kamal. So if he beats this kid, I need to talk to his coach, Murad, because he should leave there and come to AKA. So I tried to make that happen, but Murad was kind of like, ah, we don't know. And then Murad calls me one day, like, Mo, we're fighting Gleason T-Bow. And I said, so what are y'all going to do? And he's like, we don't know. I was like, come to AKA. He's like, we don't have the money to just yet. I said, okay, then come with a good game plan. And they told me the game plan, and, this was, and it worked for him. It was a tough fight for Habib. The next camp, I think Habib came out to train at um, AKA, and he's been there ever since. Um, it, exactly, like, and that, and that's the example I brought. Like, where how there's so many connective tissues, right? It's like you, you, you have fingerprints on so much, and and people seem to come to you in in the way that Murad did, right, and have conversations about that. Yeah. Um, what what are some of the best friendships that you've developed in this sport that people may think, oh, well, that seems unlikely? You know, uh, anybody jump to mind? Uh, like, okay, so this this is this isn't this is likely, but not unlikely. But me and Rashad, I saw Rashad when we wrestled Oklahoma, Michigan State in Stillwater. I, I I bought a punching bag, put a punching bag in the room because, like, you know, at that time I was like, MMA is gonna be big, y'all. So like, start punching this bag. So I'm cutting weight. I come upstairs. I hear somebody. Killing the bag. I'm like, who is this killing my bag? I have to see who this is. I walk in. I see a 174-pound Rashad destroying my bag. <laughs> and I walk up to him. I'm like, Rashad, so what's up, man? You going you gonna to fight when you're done? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll see you on the other side because I'm going to try to wrestle and, and, uh, and make the Olympic team. And then I'll see you in MMA. And he's like, all right, cool. And we shook hands. And we're still boys. Me and Roy Nelson are boys. Sensei Roy. That's my sensei. That's my boy, man. Roy sensei Nelson. Roy Nelson, huh? What, yeah, what, yeah. What, is, what is he teaching you that he's sensei? Everything. The ground game. Just like just, just the MMA game. Like, I've learned it through through guys like Mike Hogan and other people. But Roy Nelson showed me, like, a whole different – like, people talk bad about Roy and say all this, say all this like, negative stuff because they listen to Dana White. But Roy is a genius. Roy, Roy is smart as hell. They can – Dana White can be like, oh, you can't teach Stu. Well, Dana White is tripping. You know what I'm saying? Like, all, all the people talk bad about Roy. Meet him first before you talk talk bad about him, before you bash him. He, he's smart. Smart as it comes. Him and his wife. That's I ride with them. Yeah, and, and, and you're right about that. I mean, don't judge a book by its cover, right? I mean, you don't don't listen to people who try and disparage if you don't know them. I mean, that's that's definitely something. And that's that's one of the realities about this sport too, right? I mean, there are people who talk bad about people. There are there are rumors that go around. And there are a yeah. lot of dirty people in this sport, aren't there not? I mean, have, have, have you really been – have you ever been wronged in mixed martial arts? Were you ever just, like, done dirty? Uh, No, nah, no, nah. because the thing is, like, I don't try to ask nothing nobody, like, I'm a type of person like 
if I can help you and you help, hit me up. I'm gonna help you. You know, I'm not, I'm not I'm not trying to get nothing from nobody. Like I'm just there to help. I want to see see people, everybody reach their maximum potential. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see everybody like improve. I want to see MMA grow in America, if possible. I want to see MMA grow everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Combat sports. I want to see it thrive. You know what I'm saying? So if I can help anybody, they just hit me up. I'll 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 point them in the right direction. That's how I am. Mo, when when were you the best? When do you think like you were at your top peak form in mixed martial arts? Mm, never got a chance to get there because of injuries. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was always injured, man. Like you know, I just never said anything. Like my my ACL was like always torn or. My hip, I have a minor hip hip uh hip replacement. I needed a hip like a hip replacement years ago. But I just kept on fighting with my my hip messed up. Um yeah, I just, you know, I just I enjoyed fighting. I didn't want to take no time off and I knew that surgeries would do that. You know, and I like the paydays too. So I just like to compete, man. Um I don't think I really ever truly hit my potential, but you know what? I had a great time fighting. Yeah. I had a I great you- time fighting for it. Yeah. Is is there a fight that stands out to you? Is uh, you know better than the rest? Uh, I'm gonna be real. It's not a fight, but it was my battle with staph infection. Mm. I'm telling you, I thought I thought I'd never fight again. I remember the doctor telling me, "Hey, man, uh, you might want to try to think about coaching. You know, I want you to come back, but man, yeah, this this staff has done a lot of damage to your knee and to your body, and I'm still facing I'm still facing the effects of it right now a little bit." That, that that was ugly stuff. I mean, I remember at the time when all that was happening and uh, it, it seemed like almost, I mean, there's been some really ugly staph infections in mixed martial arts, but I mean, was your life in danger? Uh, Yeah, yeah, but not like Kevin Randleman, rest in peace, right. Kevin Randleman. Right. Like, like, you know, he helped me out a lot too because after I got it, he's like, Mo, come here. We were, we were in the rock locker room of the Ryu gym, the old tap out gym, I think. And uh, he was like, Mo, man, um, you know, I you see my you see I you see my my armpit called the armpit pussy. He's like got infected bad. So, and you had the same thing in your knee. He's like, I'm gonna tell you this: any scratch you get, any bump or bruise you get, take care of it because it can lead to more staph infection. He's like, I've been fighting this for a while. He's like, Coley, it's Mark Coleman. Coley been fighting it for a while too. He's like, don't don't be like us. Be smart. You got all this wisdom now, right? Do you 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 feel yeah. wiser? You feel wiser after your mixed martial arts experience, man. I feel, I feel, yeah. I feel, uh, I feel so wise. I feel, I feel like I'm 60 years old. I feel like I've been doing this longer than, but like this, I've been involved in MMA and combat sports. Been watching it since I was 16. You know what I'm saying? Not 16, not, not 16, 19 for MMA boxing since I was like whenever young, but. I feel now since I had the chance to interact with these coaches and other fighters and travel and fight in other organizations and meet different styles of training, man, I I've seen so much. People can't bullshit me no more. I've seen everything. Like I've been in so many different countries. If you tell me if you if you try to tell me something, I I can tell if you're telling the truth or not. I, that's how it is. I, I'm just I'm pretty cultured, even more cultured than before. I never thought that wrestling and MMA would. Help me see the world. I thought I'd be stuck in Texas doing nothing. Hmm. How do you think training is going to be an expression for you? How, how, do, do you 
Do you have someone that you're molding your your training style after? People that you really appreciated that you said, oh, "I want to take a piece of what they did," or do you feel like it's uh, it's all mold a wall? Like, what how what kind of trainer are you going to be for the fighters that you're working with? Um, okay, there's a fighter named Lucian. There's a coach named Lucian Carbain um, from Holland. Yep, and he's a fighter. Yep, all style fighter. Man, yep. he's a pff, a legend. I'm a big fan of his. I want. I've been in his gym. Day. I've been in his gym in Amsterdam. Yes, he is. You lucky son of a. <laughs> I hate you. Uh. But my my thing is like with anything, whatever works, because I can't like you know not everybody can fight like me. Not everybody's my. Not everybody has long arms. Not everybody has explosive legs. Not everybody's you know slow twitch or fast twitch. We're all different. So whatever I can take and improve or add to your style, I will do. And I'll try to enhance your style because I can't, I'm not great at jujitsu. I know it, but I, I've studied enough. I've, I've watched enough. I've had great jujitsu coaches like Dean Lister, Verdum, Noguera, Hamo Barab. Got a chance to roll with all these guys. And one thing I do is I watch them. I, I play dumb. It's a lot in MMA. I am dumb, so I just keep my I keep my ears open and, and things I see that I can implement my own thing into, I'll throw it in there. You know what I'm saying? And, and I will see for work for some people like Shoeface, like Carl uh, and Carl Zapato. It's my boy, man. He's a jujitsu wizard. I don't know jujitsu like he does, but I know a few positions that can help him. And I'm not, I'm not gonna change change his style up or anything. But if I can find something, one or two things that can add to your style, that can help you evolve, that's good. Because the thing is, when it comes down to it, the moment you stop learning and the moment you stop growing as a fighter, that's the moment you, a lot of times you start taking L's and start getting outclassed. Because do you see yourself? Film. Do you see yourself as a coach in the gym, one of a group of coaches, or are you a lead trainer? Are you going to be working corners? Uh, I work corners, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm one. Of the, I'm one of the few. We're a team of American Top Team. You know, it's not American Top Mo. It's American top team. So I work I work alongside with Dean, Mike Brown, Cattell Kubis, um, Anderson, Coach Maka Howe, Steve Mako, Coach Coach Conan. We all work together. We're all trying to build champions in the gym at, at all organizations. It's the ATT takeover. If there's an organization out there, we're trying to have a champion in there. How long have you how long have you been with ATT? Honestly, on and on, well, I've been a soft member for American Top Team since like Cammy was there. So mm-hmm. Cammy joined the American Top Team like in 2005, 2006, something like that. So I was like, I was like a soft member. So like cuz after fights I go over there, help train with Pitbull, just t- grab whoever and just train. So and I was always cool with uh coach Richie. Man, Richie, that's another guy you know you want to interview. Richie cuz he's a guy that's seen everybody come to the gym. That's I'll talk to him every day and pick his brain because he's seen it all. He runs. The, he runs the gym, doesn't he? Yes, yes, and he has a high, a high fight IQ. I thought like my fight IQ is high, but I go to him and I'm like, man, I got to step my game up. You know, there's guys like him, Brad Barnes, um, Matt Hume, um, um, Bob Cook. There, there are guys out there. There are hidden secrets that, that people just don't take advantage of. Javier so, Mendez, you know, yeah, a lot no of guys question. out there. No question. Settling down in in one place is that is that a difficult thing for you? Because you kind of were like nomadic. You would train anywhere, go anywhere, work with anybody. But now being like ATT, it's not ATMO. I get it. It's ATT. Like, what do you are you enjoying that sort of being settled in one particular spot? Well, here's the thing, though. Here's one thing. I really never 
change camps. What I would do is after a fight, the next day I would be at a different gym training there because I want to learn. So everyone just assumed that Mo's, man, Mo's here, Mo's there. Did Mo join this gym? Because I was cool with everybody. Everybody accepted me because I was just a cool guy. You know, I have a few enemies like Quentin, but fuck Quentin. Everybody else I'm cool with. I mean, Quentin, Quentin Jackson doesn't like anybody. So what, what is yeah. the what is the what is the beef that he's got with you? Man, I, I don't know. I, I I think I think that you know, he's just insecure. You know, I I think uh-huh. what it came down to it, uh, it's gonna sound bad, but he he was one of the first black fighters that had a certain style, certain personality, and now the other black fighters with better personalities and better styles, and he's threatened by it. Mm. He wants to be the other, only black guy on the block. Well, no, well MMA is international. Pretty soon you start seeing guys from more more African fighters, more fighters from you know Mongolia, everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's international. We, we we want a, a rainbow. We want everybody fighting. Mo, as you as you walk away as a fighter, what's what's the worst thing about being a fighter in mixed martial arts right now? Man, the worst thing about being a fighter in mixed martial arts, it's it's different for everybody. For some people, it's the lack of personality. For some people, it's the lack of branding. Because some people were the brand, the organization they fight for than themselves. And then for some people, it's the injuries and the brain trauma after after you're done fighting. Mm-hmm. And the best part? The best part is all of the above, man. The wins, <laughs> the losses, the cuts, the injuries. Because I love battle, man. If you love battle, you enjoy it all. You take the good with the bad. That's why, man, like, you know, like, I never understood why. I remember when I saw Bada Hari lose, and I was like, how's he so, well, he's okay with just losing? And Melvin Manoff, when he lost to Robbie Lawler, I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, it was a good fight, man. You know, as long as everybody's entertained, you know, I come to fight. And now I think about it, I'm like, you know what? It all makes sense. It's just a fight. Fighting is the finest because we all fight just in different ways. You know what I'm saying? Some people fight in court. Some people fight at work. We don't do it physically all, all the time. Sometimes it's mental. But the thing is that it's all fighting. Life is a fight. You see, if you enjoy life, then you enjoy MMA. I'm with you on that. I, th- I think that's why MMA translates to so many different people from all sorts of walks of life. I mean, there is a connective bond that the sport imprints itself on the people who watch it. And even the people who like don't want to like it, they can't escape it. It still attaches themselves to, the, to those people. That's, that's been my discovery over the years. Hey, what, hey, it's what do you a brotherhood. Think? It's yeah. just a brotherhood because cause I'm going to tell you this. I hold, I hold no beefs with no one that beat me. I can see Fajal or Manuel Newton or Andrew Capel or Krokop and be cool with them. I, it's, look, I'm me, me, my life is more, is more than just fighting. I think the moment fighters realize that, then, then, it, then it can grow even more as a fighter. Some guys out there are like, oh, fighting's all I know, fighting, fighting. No, it's not all you know. Because, because a lot of fighters aren't stupid. You can't be a stupid fighter. Because so many, there's so many ways to win a fight. You can't be a stupid fighter now these days. Well, you got a lot of time now to um, explore the things. What, what's what's the top of the list for you in terms of your post-fighting life now? What what are some of the things that you feel like, well, oh, maybe I didn't have time to do that before, but it's a priority for me these days? Um, I don't know, because I always did it anyway, like, I'm I'm big into Marvel comics. I'm great. I'm a big Marvel comics fan. I'm 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 current with the with the storylines on that. Follow boxing. Follow MMA. Um, I do love my marijuana. <laughs> so you know that 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 there. And then really, my life is simple, man. If either fighting 
watching some, I like politics now. I'm into politics, watching what's going on with this impeachment hearing, hoping mm-hmm. they impeach us too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little older, but I'm, but I'm, I'm watching things that matter now. Things that make me happy. That's what I'm paying attention to now. Well, you, uh, you deserve to do that at a very minimum. And you made a lot of people happy over the years and, and, uh, You've provided a lot of entertainment for people over the years, Mo, and uh, I, I expect your voice still to be loud and uh, uh, prolific in this sport. I don't, I don't, I don't see you going away anytime soon, right? You're, you're not, you're not, you're not sitting on the porch on a rocking chair, right? You, you got no, a lot of no, stuff to no, do no, in no. front of you. No, and, and I'm gonna tell you this, man. Like, I like the fact MMA, MMA media. I'm not gonna lie. Back in the day, I was kind of crucial. I was kind of like ah, because I feel like everybody was kind of soft, you know, saying towards the UFC. But now I like what I'm seeing. I'm seeing variety. I'm seeing different people getting covered. I, I like what I'm seeing. I hope that it, it becomes more like that because I want my goal. I wish I wish MMA were more like boxing in a sense, mm-hmm. to where like there's no true world champion. The only way to find the, the best, the, the the closest thing to world champion right now is Kyoji, where he he has multiple belts in other organizations. I hope MMA turns to that path because then you can see super fights and you can see the biggest fights and the best fights. Not just organizations, co-promotion is the way to go. If you want to see the biggest, the big, the biggest and the best, co-promotion. You see it in boxing already. Let's co-promote these fights. Come on, UFC. Come on, Bellator. Come on, 1FC, Ryzen, uh, um, KSW. Work together. Let's let's get the fans what they want. Super fights. Big, meaningful fights. Man, you're, you're beating the drums that I've been beating for a long time. There are no world champions in mixed martial arts, and uh, the best still need to fight the best. It doesn't always happen. Mo, yep. uh, I know that you went off searching for the best. You went off searching for those things, and you had your own MMA excursion. Um, it is done. Are you like, you know, fighters say they're retired, and then they come back. Are you retired? Are you done? Uh, You know what? I'm done with fighting, but you'll see me in pro wrestling. You'll okay. see me doing – I'll be competing here and there doing stuff. Nothing like – Real shots to the head, no bare knuckle boxing, none of that stuff. I might spar here and there with some boxers that need work, but uh, for the most part, my the fighting is all the way out of me. There's no more fight left in me. All I'm willing to do right now is teach others how to be better fighters. Congratulations, Mo. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, please stay in touch, man. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks, big bro. I appreciate it. All right. King Mo Luol, talking about his career, the people he's touched, the people he's met, the people who have left impressions on him. And he's left impressions on us. There's no doubt about it. King Mola Wall, appreciate everything that he's done in this sport. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, appreciate your time. As always, uh, we will be back next week with a uh, special special show for Thanksgiving. Some stuff to look forward to. I am Josh Gross. You've been listening to Gross Point Blank.